Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figueretti, for this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Vineyard Online. So excited you're here. We're, we're coming back the week after Easter and uh, jumping into this new series we're calling Thrive. And I'm so excited about this series. Last week, I talked about the idea that we were not made, you were not made to just survive this life, to just go through the motions, but you were made to thrive. And, you know, we're in the middle of this pandemic and, and it, the the theme of the pandemic seems to be survival, right? I mean, if we can just get through March, we'll survive March and things will get, and then if we can just survive April, things will get back to normal. And now we're talking about, well, if we can just survive May and things will get back to normal, eventually things are going to go back to something that resembles normal anyway. We're going to get let out of our houses and, and all of that. And, and the problem is not surviving a pandemic. The problem is surviving life because for so many people, what I have witnessed and observed in this life is that it feels like survival even when we're not in a pandemic. You know, you get up in the morning, you you uh, make your coffee, you drink your coffee, you put on your clothes, maybe you take a shower. You take a shower, then you put on your clothes for work and you get in your car and you drive to work and you go to work and you work all day to make the money, to pay for the coffee, to pay for the water for the shower, to pay for the clothes, to pay for the car, to pay for life so that you can get up and go back to work the next day. And at some point people wake up and they go, man, there's got to be more to life than this. But it's not just people who are, are paying for life that ask that question. I know many wealthy people, many very successful people who ask the same question. You know, there's got to be more to life than just this. And maybe you've asked that question as well. And there's a reason that we ask that question. Because there is more to life than this. You were created for more. You were made for more. You were made to thrive. You know, when God made human beings and he designed us in his image. He designed us to thrive. He designed us, he built us, he puts us in this garden uh, called Eden. And, and, and it's this lush, abundant, beautiful place. Everything is thriving, including human beings. And uh, it, it's amazing. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says this. It says, God blessed them, the people, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Roll over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, this is more than just make a lot of babies. Um, I mean, that was part of it, you know, be fruitful, multiply. But it's this, I paint this picture of just thriving, co-creating with God in the garden and this thriving life. And that's what you were created for. That's what your design is. And when you align with your design, as I've said in previous sermons, you're going to do fine. Life makes sense. There's a momentum to life. There's a thriving. The problem is, is that along the way, the world has gotten broken, right? Those early people, those first people were doing so well. They're thriving and they decided that they were going to disobey God. They were going to look outside of God for 
for for life, like somehow they could do it better without him. And, and they made a decision that let sin into our world and sin has spread from person to person like a, like a contagion, like a virus, until every human being on the face of the planet has been infected. And what sin does is it, it causes us to, to think, well, I can do it better on my own without God. It, it, it causes us to, to live in rebellion against him. And, what, and the consequences, the fruit of sin are simply this, people hurt each other. The world is broken. People hurt each other. We've gone from being stewards of the earth that God has given us and and tending the garden to exploiting it. Uh, People can't get along with one another. Neighbors feud, countries war, hate spreads, rebellion is just part of life. And no wonder we're asking the question, there's got to be more. And, and, And no wonder we're wondering why we're just surviving and not thriving. Because deep down inside, our hearts long for more. Because we were made for more. Because you were made for more. Now in this series, and I'm so excited about this series, we're going to look at a a series of principles, practical issues that if you live these things out, they will bring momentum to your life. They will cause you to thrive in this life. But there's one thing that we have to talk about first. It's the X factor. It's the thing that makes all the difference in the world. And you can pursue these other principles that we're going to talk about, and you should, but without this one, those will still ring hollow eventually. And and, and it's a spiritual in nature because part of your design is, is you were designed and created for a relationship with God. You were designed to have God's spirit living inside your heart and in this relationship with him. And without that relationship, you're just surviving. Without that relationship, you're spiritually dead. When you're disconnected from God, you're just, you're just surviving. And, and the thing is, is that that sin that we talked about, that you have been infected with and that I've been infected with, that separates us from God. And that blocks our relationship with God. And that's why Jesus came, or is part of the reason why Jesus came. In John 10.10, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Another translation says, have it to the full. That's what you were created for. And that's what Jesus came to restore. He came to restore a thriving life. And he did that in two ways. The first the first and the most important one, the one I'm talking about right now, is he came to take care of your sin problem. He came to die in your place because the consequences for your sin and your regrets and your shortcomings was death. And he paid that 2,000 years ago on a cross. He died in your place so that your sin could be paid for, forgiven, and washed away. And you could have a brand new start and the sin block is gone and you can have that relationship with God. This is where life in all of its fullness starts. Now, before we jump into the principles that we're going to talk about in this series, this spiritual truth, I want to encourage you to step into it first. Now, if you're not ready to, I get it. Hang out, keep coming back. And maybe by the end of this series, or if you keep coming eventually God will will open up your heart to a a relationship with him. But if you want that right now, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. 
And it really is quite simple. Where you're sitting, you can pray by yourself, just in the quiet of your heart. Just say, tell God that you're in. Say, say Father, I, I believe you sent Jesus and that he died for my sins. And I need that forgiveness. Would you forgive me? Would you come and live in my heart? Invite him in. And would you lead my life from this day forward? If you pray something along those lines, it doesn't have to be those exact words, but if that's what you want, tell him. And he will. His spirit will come and live in your heart and your life will be changed forever. It's amazing. And it's a free gift. He paid for it. So you didn't have to. The second reason that Jesus came and the second way that he brings us life in all of his fullness is that he, he came to show us what God was really like and to teach us how to live according to our design. And that is what we're going to look at in this series. In this series, we're looking at living in line with our design. And it's often counterintuitive. It's often countercultural. You look at it and you're like, eh, would that really work? Yes. Yes, it does. It works. I tell you from personal experience. So the way we're going to break this series down is we're going to, we're going to do, uh, we're going to look at each principle, uh, kind of self-contained, almost a, a mini talk. And so I'll be back in a minute to, t- to uh, start with our first topic. See you in a minute. Welcome back, everyone. We are jumping in on our first principle for living an abundant life, for thriving in this world. And here is what it is. It's, it's very, very simple. It's, it's simple to say. It's not simple to do. Follow humbly. Follow humbly. If you want to thrive in this life, you have to be able to follow well. Now, I know the reaction that most of us have because we're Americans. We are rugged and independent and leadership is a value and nobody's going to tell me what to do. I am an army of one, all of that. Our culture worships leadership. Just Google leadership. There's millions and millions of of postings and blogs and writings on leadership and only a handful if you type in followership. But there is an unsung virtue of following, of followership. It's so important. You know, in Jesus's day, there were teachers. They called them rabbis. Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher and he had followers and his disciples would follow him around and learn from him and learn to become like him. And there was a saying in their day and it went like this, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And what it meant was may you walk so closely behind your rabbi because Jesus, you know, and and, and rabbis in general, they would walk around and they would teach as they would walk. And may you be so close on the heels of your rabbi that the dust that his feet kick up be all over your, your clothes. Follow well. It's an important value. It's countercultural, though, isn't it? In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, it says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Obey your leaders, it says. Now, this is talking about church leaders. Don't make their lives miserable. Don't be a thorn in the flesh. Be a blessing in your followership and follow well. Submit 
submit to them. But I think this principle, it certainly applies to following Jesus, and it certainly applies to following our lead, our spiritual leaders. But I think this applies universally to following leaders. In 1 Peter 5, in verse 5, it says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And I love this passage. It says, humble yourself and God will exalt you. See, that's the problem with following, right? We're like, I want to exalt myself. I got to get to the front of the line. I got to show how smart I am, how good I am. I got, you know, that, that, that internal ambition. And God says, look, when a leader makes a call, humble yourself acknowledge that God's going to work it out. If you, if you bloom where you're planted and do your best in the midst of that situation, God will in the end exalt you and get you to where you're going to go. And in verse seven, it says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. In other words, you don't have to be wound tight about it because God's going to take care of it. And as your faith in him grows in that, you are able to follow well because you don't have to be in charge because it's not about your ego and all these other things. And ultimately, you will excel head and shoulders or above everyone around you and God will exalt you in the end. And you don't have to walk around being all tied knots and anxious about everything. You know, there's no problem following someone until they make a decision that you disagree with. And, and, and at that point, we humble ourselves. At that point. We trust that the hand of God is at work and we can cast our anxieties on him. We can let it go. And, and I'm telling you, there is a peace that comes and there is an ability to thrive in those situations because you're not all angst about it, but you've got the peace of God at work in your life. See, this is an invitation to trust God when you can't control the situation. And boy, when you do that, your heart will thrive. So, you find yourself in one of these situations. Now, I, and I'm not, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about um, an ethical question. Your, your leader, your boss makes an ethical decision that, is, that puts you in a compromising situation. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about making decisions that maybe you don't think are the best decisions. And when they do, just accept that you don't have control over the situation. Do your job to the best of your ability with the most positive attitude that you can. Give up that control to God, trust God, and bloom where you're planted. And you will go further, and you will get more done. And in the end, in the big picture, God's purposes will be accomplished, and He will lift you up. Here's a question for you, I, just an exercise that I encourage you to do this week, and it's real simple. If, if you have somebody in your life who is a leader over you, have an honest conversation with them, if you can, and just ask them this question. Does leading me bring you joy or grief? Does leading me bring you joy or grief? Now, here's what this will do. If it brings them grief, there's an opportunity for an honest conversation and maybe some healing. And if you're not bringing them grief, 
It's an opportunity to talk more about how you can be a joy to them, a support to them. And in the end, that will strengthen that relationship. And again, you will go further and God will lift you higher. Guys, if you want to thrive, you have to follow humbly. Welcome back, guys. We're into our, our next principle, which is this. Celebrate big and often. Celebrate big and often. Uh, you know, you wouldn't think celebration, how does that lead to thriving? Well, we're going to unpack this. This is so good, so good, and so needed. Again, as Americans, we leave more unused vacation days than any other nation in the world. We are not good at celebrating. What we end up, what we do is we work and work and work and work and work, and then we get a national holiday and we crash. And that gives us a, a, a little bit of time to recover, and then we jump back in and we work and work and work and work. I'm not anti-American. I love our country, but this is true about us. I mean, when was the last time you celebrated something? And I'm not talking about birthdays or major holidays. I'm talking about something that happened in your life that's worth celebrating. Maybe you got a promotion or a new job. Maybe you got into the school that you wanted to get into. Maybe you finished school. Well, I mean, when have you stopped to truly celebrate those things other than go, well, yeah, I want the graduation or whatever. But when, when have you top, stopped to be grateful and celebrate, have a party about it? Guys, I, I am so excited to be preaching this topic because I'm, I get to preach to myself. I'm no good at this. I suck at celebrating. And the reality is most of us do. We're so future-focused that we miss celebrating the now. We miss celebrating what was, what God has done, what we have accomplished, what the people around us have done. And that's a problem because we are missing out on one of the great joys of life. And one of the, the disciplines, I mean, it's hard to believe that celebration is a discipline, but it, but it is one of the disciplines that brings us a thriving life. You know, I, I call it it's it's I call it it's the what's next syndrome. You know, I, I'm so focused on what's next that I don't have time to think about what we just did. And so we'll we'll have a huge win and in my life and my family at, at the church, but my propensity is to think about what's next and continue to push forward. And God says, no, 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 no. It is so important to stop and celebrate the wins. It's so important to celebrate people. It's so important to stop and celebrate what he has done. And when we do, it forces us to be where our feet are, to, to, to really be present in the moment and present with the people uh, who God has put in our lives. And it builds richness into our lives. Our lives. Um, you know, it's really kind of neurotic when we think about it, you know, this, this, this push to, the, to, to leave the vacation days on the table, to go, 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 to keep moving and keep pushing and keep pushing. And, and underlying that is this, this thought that if, if I don't keep making it happen, it won't happen. You know, if I don't keep pushing the ball down the field, if I don't keep my nose to the grindstone, I won't have enough. I won't be able to keep up. I'll be called lazy, like that's the worst thing that could ever happen in this world. See, like so many biblical principles, this principle of celebrating big and often is counterintuitive. It, it kind of pushes against what we naturally want to do. 
But if you want to thrive, you have to celebrate because you were made to celebrate. And again, if you align with your design, you know the rest. You know, as we look at the nation of Israel, they were in slavery in Egypt for 400 years when God rescued them. 400 years. They had no collective memory of being anything but slaves. They weren't a people. They were a group of slaves in Egypt. And God brings them out of Egypt and he gives them the law and he gives them guardrails and he gives them instructions on how to be a people. And he has to teach them these things. And one of the things that he gives them is a series of parties, of feasts and festivals to celebrate who they are, who God is, what God has done. And there are seven parties a year. I mean, not little parties. These are big parties. These are, we're going to spend some money on these parties. We're going to get really good food for these parties. We're going to stop everything and we're going to celebrate seven times a year. It's awesome. Awesome. In Deuteronomy 14, 25 and 26, it says this, then you shall turn it into money, turn it, they're agrarian. So you're going to turn your crops into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord, your God chooses and spend the money for whatever you desire. You're like, is that in the Bible? That's in the Bible. Spend, celebrate, go spend some money, go on a shopping spree, buy oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your households. God says, look, I want you to party. And I'm not talking about a little party, I'm talking about a big party. <laughs> I want you to, to, to celebrate regularly, seven times a year, stop everything, and we're going to throw a big party. We're going to remember, and we're going to, to celebrate God, and we're going to celebrate our history and our heritage and the people around us. Now, I mean, one of the questions that comes up with this passage is, is the issue of, of drinking. Buy wine and strong drink and whatever your heart desires. And, and I just need to take a moment here. This isn't really the point of this message, but, but you'll have a hard time making the case that the Bible says that we should not drink. And in fact, I would suggest to you, the Bible says we should. It encourages us, buy wine, buy, buy strong drink, all of that. But the Bible is also very clear. And you got to hear me on this, that if you can't drink without drinking too much, or you can't drink, or you can't get through the day without, without a drink because you're kind of dependent on it, then you probably need to not drink at all. Now, I want to be absolutely clear on that. You're going to have a hard time finding prohibition against alcohol in the Bible, but you will find prohibition against drunkenness and dependency upon alcohol. And so I encourage you, if you have those struggles, do not drink. Okay, I just needed to say that little sidebar there. Back to celebration. If you struggle to celebrate, then probably you think that things depend on you more than they depend on God. I'm going to say that again. If you struggle to celebrate, you have an underlying issue that you think that things depend on you more than they depend on God. And when we think that, our fear increases and our faith drops. But if we can get through our hearts and our heads that God is in control, God is, God is more, a more important factor to my success than I am, then our fear decreases and our faith 
rises. It's the same thing with rest. I mean, God gave his people the Sabbath day and said, look, you can work for six days, but on the seventh day, rest. You can do more in six than you can in seven. And there are all kinds of practical reasons and spiritual reasons for that. But you know what God was teaching them? And what God wants to teach you is that he is your source and he is responsible for your blessing and your prosperity much more than you are. We don't stop because we don't trust God. We don't celebrate because we don't trust God. And guys, you were designed to celebrate. And here's what I found and what I am learning because like I shared already, I suck at this. But as I've forced myself to slow down long enough to celebrate, I found things beginning to change in my heart. It's a practice that changes who we are. When you slow down long enough to think about what you need to celebrate and the things that you're grateful for, it builds faith. It begins to stir things inside of you. When you take the time to plan out a celebration and to invite people to that celebration, it begins to change who you are. You know, um, on Friday nights, uh, my family and I, we try and celebrate Sabbath. It's not a super religious or legalistic thing, but we try to take a day of rest from dinner time on Friday to dinner time on Saturday. And, uh, and, and so we have a pizza party on Friday night and, and we make our own homemade pizza dough and we, you know, throw pizzas in the air and all of that. And it's so good. And I don't eat bread, but on Friday night I eat pizza and I have a couple beers and Christy will have a glass of wine and, and we will have a family celebration of God and of, of being a family and of rest and just the blessings that God has given us. And that has done so much for me because my tendency, if we didn't have that on the calendar, would be to go down to the barn and build something. Keep working. You just got to keep working. But I have to force myself to be present. And as I do, God is expanding my heart and my heart is thriving more and more. See, that's that's what happens. It will begin to change you. And it's a, declaration. it's a declaration of us saying, God, I trust you more. And it'll be uncomfortable at first if you're not good at this. But celebration reminds us. It reminds us how good God has been. It's a faith builder. It reminds us and helps us to rest and reset. And that's important. It brings perspective because we stop. We lift our eyes up for a period of time and we can look around and appreciate the people around us and what they've done and and what God has done and and in our history, all these things that we can celebrate. And you know what else it does? It fosters connection. It builds camaraderie and connection. In our family, those celebrations, I'm sure are gonna be the times that my kids remember when I'm gone. I'm, I'm willing to bet. And it, cel- and it builds connection in our family as we spend that time together and we celebrate. Uh, with teams, you know, a, a baseball team at Dairy Queen uh, celebrating. I mean, they're annoying because they're in the way and I just want my, my blizzard, but they're there. And, and, and that's celebration and that's good. And you know what they found with teams, whether it be a sports team or a business team or a church team, whatever kind of team. Teams that celebrate together outperform teams that don't. You're like, well, that was a waste of money. No, it's not a waste of money. It was a waste of time. No, it's not a waste of time. It actually, you can do more 
with less time and less money if you follow God's principles. If that is true with celebration, you will thrive. In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah in the Old Testament came to Jerusalem to help the, the Jewish people rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And as they're, they're working on this, he, he says to this, at one point he stops and he says this, he says, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. He says, we're going to have a party. We're going to eat big and we're going to celebrate. We're going to drink big and we're going to celebrate. He says, for this day is holy to our Lord. And I love that. Celebration is a holy thing. It's a sacred thing. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He says, guys, you, we are going to celebrate big and we're going to eat the fat and drink the sweet wine. And, you know, and this whole eat the fat thing, you're like, well, what does that mean? The other night, Deuce and I, uh, well, our family, we had ribeyes. Now, if you don't, if you probably don't know this about me, but the ribeye might be the perfect food. It is absolutely my favorite cut of meat. And so we were having ribeye steaks. We have them every once in a while. And uh, Deuce was cutting in and he's like, there's a big piece of fat. And that's one of the things about ribeyes is they're very fatty. And uh, I said, my eyes kind of, I lifted an eyebrow on one side and I said, Deuce, the fat is the best part. And he looked at me and he was like, what are you talking about? And I said, just, just try it. And he put it in his mouth and he bit down on the fat and his eyes got big. And he said, that's the most delicious thing I've ever eaten. Do you know God wants us to be extravagant in our celebration? The most delicious thing you've ever eaten. Um, let's have parties. Let's celebrate this life and the blessings that God has given us upon along the way. Here in Nehemiah, there's a choice between grieving and celebrating. He says, we're going to choose to celebrate. And then the joy of the Lord and that celebration is going to strengthen us uh, and for the work that lies ahead. And it will for you as well. You know, my wife, Christy, is a much better Christian than I am in this regard, in this celebration regard. She's good at celebrating. I'm not. She's teaching me. I'm learning from her. Like birthday parties and birthdays, she can just, she plans all that out. She's so good at it. And she's so much healthier than I am in this regard. What do you need to celebrate? Birthdays? Some of us aren't very good at celebrating birthdays. Maybe it's, it's, it's things that are not as obvious, like report cards and promotions and tax returns and, and uh, you know, the little wins along the way. If you will, and if you do, you will make memories with the people that you love. You will be healthier along the way and your soul will thrive. Because when we celebrate big and we celebrate often, we thrive. Jesus, thanks for this day and thanks for giving us permission to party and to celebrate all that you've done. I pray, God, that you would help us to live in line with our design. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.